And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes, chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hopalong, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome to Rod and Real Radio. I think we've put together another great and interesting show for you tonight. You know, there is no better time than right now to be fishing both freshwater and saltwater, and we're going to explore all categories tonight. First of all, we're going to have owner and operator of the Malahini Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. This past week, the three-quarter day boats have been ripping them up like never before. We're going to find out all about it. And then at 6 o'clock hour, Have you ever thought about winning a lot of money in a fishing tournament? Well, we're going to have a guy on that just won $500,000 in the FLW Cup. Mr. Brad Knight's going to be with us. We're going to find out how he went went about doing that. And then one of the biggest bass fishing events in SoCal or Southwest is going to be happening here in the beginning of uh, September. The One Bass U.S. Open is going to be happening, and we're going to have the director of that event, Billy Egan will be on with us, so uh, stay tuned. It's going to be a great show tonight, but before we get started, we've got our co-hosts that we want to introduce. First of all, the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT, and he's a pretty darn good fisherman in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how are you doing tonight, sir? Alive and well. Good evening, everybody. You know, it's a little warm out there, but so is the fishing. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> the fishing is red hot, Stan, and... We'll be going over that with Phil Friedman and, and Bill Wilkerson because there's some exceptional reports to be had out there. You know, we also I also want to introduce to you our other co-host. She's just back from the award ceremony for the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge, and she's going to give us a little update on that event. But you know what? I think she went over there and probably had a pretty good time herself. She is the national sales manager for Iserline and many other fine products in the fishing industry, Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I had a great time at the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge Awards Banquet, and I was really impressed with all the winners from the tournament and all the funds that they raised. It's an amazing tournament, and I wish you could have been able, would have been able to make it, but I know you have a me. We had a great time tonight at the same table, and it was amazing. 
Well, Wendy, we're having just a little bit of difficulty uh, understanding you, so make sure that you're getting in a spot where we can get to you because we're you're going to give us a report later on, plus pipe into the show whenever you can. So we appreciate you being there on behalf of Rod Real Radio at the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge. But, hey, let's get on to the continuing bite of 2015. We have with us the owner-operator of Malahini Sports Fishing, and this has to be undoubtedly maybe one of the best weeks ever for the three-quarter day boats out of San Diego. Let's bring him aboard, Captain Bill Wilkerson. Captain Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Well, we are We're doing, doing well, and so are you. <laughs> uh, fishing's been pretty phenomenal this past, you know, I mean, you guys there? Yeah, yeah. we're here. Okay. I heard a blink in the line. I thought something lost it. Yeah, fishing's been pretty good this, the, the, this past week. You know, we're averaging, God, just to give you an idea, the 23rd of August, uh, we had 20 yellowfin to an deck to Dorado. Uh, the 24th, we had 23 yellowfin. And one skid deck tuna. The 25th of August, uh, fishing seemed like it just exploded. Uh, we had 46 anglers catch 230 yellowfin tuna, 156 skid jack, 46 <laughs> dorado, and 28 yellowtail. You know, and then the following day, you know, we had 47 anglers. They combined for 18 skid jack tuna, 23 dorado, 52 yellowfin tuna, and 18 uh, yellowtail. The 27th, we had 22. We had 50 anglers combined for 22 yellowtail, 27 yellowfin tuna, 46 skipjack tuna, and 5 dorado. Uh, the 28th, which was, I do believe, uh, Friday, uh, we had uh, 2 yellowfin tuna, 17 skipjack, 52 dorado, and 5 yellowtail. Uh, yesterday, uh, Captain Mike Ziak ran the boat that we had 34 anglers on a charter. We had 16 dorado. 80 skipjack tuna, 170 yellowfin tuna, and 57 yellowtail. Today he was out with 50 anglers, and uh, the weather was up a little bit, but he managed to put today a 202 mixed fish for uh, his uh, 50 anglers. The fish has been very, very, very good for a three-quarter day. Well, you know, who knew you could go on a half-day boat and catch a limit of tuna? Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually, I thought, I saw something on uh, YouTube or something like that about the Mission Bell uh, on a half day catching a marlin, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, brother. It's incredible. Fishing yeah. has, has been phenomenal, guys. You know, it seemed like the stuff busted open about a week and a half ago to where it was pretty much all you want fishing. What's the size of these yellowfin you're catching? Uh, earlier in the week, they're anywhere from 15 to 40. I do believe they're like uh, 12 to 18 now, something like that. Different school? Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just uh, it's for me and the three-quarter day speed, it's perfect size fish for the yep. type of angler that we carry. Perfect. Man, Bill, you know? do you ever remember fishing like this? I mean, uh you know, everyone talks about the last El Nino and, uh, you know, and, and past times in the 80s. Is there, do you ever remember, recall, even when you weren't owner-operator of, of fishing like this, especially in three-quarter day range? No, because I, I, I used to run overnight boats. That's probably why. Uh, I understand that 90, 97, 98 was good for uh, local yellowtail fishing. 
at the Coronado Islands, but everybody knows what's going on with that now. So, you know, our options were very limited. So we started fishing it offshore, and, and honestly, it's paid off very, very well. Wow. Now, I, I've got to ask you, Bill, you know, I've got people coming into the store that are going out on three-quarter day boats and going out on the Malahini, and I'm, I'm almost kind of perplexed to tell them what to get ready for and how to fish for what. And hey, Help me along. Do you have any suggestions? What, what are you telling people to bring with them? Bring 50 pounds. <laughs> I know that sounds absurd, but I, I fished straight. When I went fishing uh, two weekends ago, I fished straight 50 pounds the whole time, and I wound up with a limited yellowfin and then some. You know what I mean? Hooking hand and fish, handing them off. The fish they were biting fifty pounds. Uh, they were biting eighty pounds uh, last Friday, and it was pretty much all you wanted. And they're very hungry. They're very aggressive. Uh, I do believe the rental rods that uh, they rent from the landing. Predominantly, we carry rental rod people. Uh, the pound test, I do believe, is thirty. Number two on hook. No weight, no sinker. Get busy. <laughs> wow. Sounds good to me. You know, you know like I said, I fished straight 50 pounds the whole time. Oh, you know, Bill, one and of the was, things uh, also that we've been hearing about is that Everingham Brothers, uh, in the, you know, is fantastic with the way they can supply bait, but man, there's a lot of demand for it. And some days uh, the boats have been going out there and not, not finding the bait that they'd really like to get. Uh, what's the bait situation right now? You put me in a real bad spot. <laughs> you want you want a, a, a captain owner's perspective or an overall perspective from Just a vampire looking at You know, uh, bait's tough. You know, bait's tough, and the bait that we that we do get with with what we're catching and trying to attract to the boat, it, it makes it harder with the bigger sardine and the mackerel and stuff like that. It makes it hard. You know, but we managed to put to put a day together, chunking or whatever else we need to do in order to keep the fish around the boat. Uh, for the most part, I believe that Everyham brothers are doing doing the best they can with what they have to work with. Yeah, and so uh, when uh, uh, the uh, the bait ha- happens to be not as good as you'd like to see it, or or not nearly as available, are there some of the other uh, methods of fishing that the fishermen are employing that are working right now? Uh, honestly, splash ball jigs, uh, if, if we get the fish up and around the boat splashing around poppers, uh, surface lures, uh, taddy 45, 6X, 6X juniors to drop down in a yo-yo, yo-yo type formation, things like that seem to be productive, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's as good as live bait that's being presented to the fish at this time. It seems like that's what they want is a live bait. So when uh, going on a three-quarter day boat, if by any chance you choose not to fish live bait, what is the particular etiquette when it comes to throwing iron or, or uh, you know, plastics or uh, something else beside uh, live bait? When you say etiquette, uh, I take that as mean as where on the boat you're allowed to fish it. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Okay. On my boat, we don't allow any type of artificial presentation unless you're standing forward of the big tanks. Period. 
Okay. We see you back there with a jig, a plastic, or anything else like that. We ask you to step forward to the bait tank. You have from forward to the bait tank to the bow to do whatever it is you need to do. Wow. You know, because the fish, the fish at that particular point in time, we're drifting anyway. So everybody's going to be on one side of the boat. And if the fish are around the boat, obviously we're chumming on the upwind side or downwind side, upwind side, because it's pushing us, the wind is pushing us. So if, we're, if the wind's blowing from left to right, we're chumming off the right side of the boat as to bring the fish to the uh, right side of the boat across the bait, getting to the chum line. You follow what I'm saying? Now, if uh, people are scheduling to go on a three-quarter day boat uh, right now, uh, what what time are you guys departing, and approximately what time are you getting back? Boat leaves the dock at five thirty in the morning. Ticket price is one hundred and forty-five dollars per person, and we get back to the dock anywhere between six and seven p.m. Depending on how far we're fishing and what we caught. Obviously, if we we have limits at twelve o'clock, we're back to the dock by by four thirty-five. We don't have limits, or we're not satisfied with what we put on the boat for our passengers we'll fish a little longer man you guys are turning it around okay and uh tell me with regards to uh, do the uh, passengers need mexican fishing licenses or anything else like that or are the fish you're catching right now all in u.s waters it depends on where we're fishing if we're fishing in mexico within 12 miles of the coast a passport a u.s license a, a passport a mexican license and a tourist visa is required if we're fishing outside of 12 miles, then you'll be paying for your Mexican, and, and in Mexico, you'll be paying for your Mexican visa, and, and your, uh, your, excuse me, you will be paying for your Mexican permit. Okay. We're fishing in U.S. waters, you'll be paying for your U.S. license. It depends on where we fish that particular day. Well, is it, Bill, is it safe to say, though, that you're not taking that big of a boat trip to get to where you're going and maybe on the uh, the day and a half or the two-day trips that uh, some of those boats might be going over fish that uh, you're catching? No, well, there are two days, guys. are fishing right next to us. So, you know. <laughs> Heck, I bet you the four or five-day guys are there, too. I don't, I don't really know how too. to answer that either. Yeah, you know, I really don't know how to answer that either. You know, I mean, there was one day we had the... Uh, uh, Independence, American Angler, the Royal Star, and the Shogun fishing the backside of the nine. They were on a multi-day trip. I'm sure they were starting there on their way out. But, yeah, it was kind of cool to see, you know, the long-range guys fishing next to us. Kind of interesting. And Bill, makes what? It fun. Oh, go on. That just makes for fun, that's for sure. Yes, it does. And Bill, yes, it does Bill. indeed. If I'm a, a private boater and I'm, I'm coming across a, a bunch of sports fishers like you, uh, what's, what's the procedure that you like to see with regards to the private boaters, how close they could be fishing to you, or, or, or how do they treat the area where you're fishing? Uh, uh, <laughs> you guys are killing me today. <laughs> Well, you want a politically correct answer, or you want the truth? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I want the answer that uh, if there's uh, boaters out there listening honestly, that aren't as familiar with some of the etiquettes uh, out there because of the fact they don't get out of the water and they're they're out there launching right now because they hear there's a phenomenal bite and they see you fishing an area. How should they? Uh, uh, you know, what's the etiquette when it comes to uh, getting near you or doing anything like that? Don't get near me. Okay. <laughs> Period. Don't get near me. You know, 
Uh, my, my thing is, most people that own skiffs nowadays, they sport boat fish, if that makes sense. Okay. You know, to me, to me, you paid all this money to buy this boat. Why can't you? And like I, I see, you, it's a very touchy subject with me because we've we've gotten complaints at the landing from private boaters about us doing stuff to them. Well, only way to avoid that: stay clear of us. That's uh, it's I not think like that's we own policy. the ocean. There's plenty of you know, fish out there. Go out there and find your own fish. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, Bill, exactly. if uh, you want to book a trip uh, aboard the Malahiti, find out what the schedule is, uh, how's the best way to go about doing it? Uh, you can call the landing office at 619-222-1144 and tell them you want to get aboard the Malahiti and go fishing. Or you can go to uh, hmlanding.com, which is the H&M Landing's uh, website. You can also make your reservation that way, or you can even better yet find out what's going on on my boat. You can go to uh, Malahini Sport Fishing on Facebook. There's an online booking tab there. We'll take, it will take you directly to the booking page for, Mal- for H&M Landing. You make your reservation that way. All right, Bill, and I'm sure you're seeing a lot of beginner fishermen right now. And for those folks that are going, man, I, I want to get on out there, especially with the kids getting back to school. Or something. I, I want to get in on this bite, but I, I really feel hesitant about doing it. You specialize in bringing that fisherman aboard and... Uh, uh, teaching them how to do it the right way. Yes, we do. I mean, uh, I believe that our, our, our crew members are second to none. You know, they they are the ones who make who we are. You know, without them doing their jobs and showing their professionalism, we wouldn't be in business. You know what I mean? Granted, you know, the, the, the captain does a phenomenal job of driving the boat and finding the fish, but the deckhands step in once he's found the fish and do what they do to ensure that we make a catch. All right. Captain Bill Wilkerson, owner-operator of the Malahini Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. Bill, thanks a lot for being with us. Uh, Keep up this phenomenal season. It's great to see those numbers, and we look forward to them maybe even getting better as uh, the the next couple of weeks unfold. All right, on, guys. All right. It was a pleasure talking with you. Hey, you guys have a great day. Hey, thanks for being with us. Bill Wilkerson from Malahini Sports Fishing. Hey, gang, we got to take a break right now. Coming up next, Phil Friedman. But stay tuned. Still a lot more Rod Real Radio to come. can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. 
Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for near shore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your baitcasters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And we do indeed want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with me tonight. So is Wendy Tar- Toshihara. And we want to thank Captain Bill Wilkerson for giving us a taste of just what's happening on the three-quarter-day boats out of San Diego. But let's get an overall view of what's happening up and down the Southern California folks, for, uh, coast. It's time for What the Heck is Phil Thinking? And we have with us the voice of PFO Radio, Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, how goes it? John, it goes great, man. How are you doing? It's a wonderful weekend, and I've been out fishing. I've emceed a beautiful marlin tournament that is just finishing up right now it's been a great weekend and i hope the same for you it has been great it is great to run uh uh be having a fishing tournament right now phil we'll be hearing from wendy later on on uh, the make-a-wish tuna challenge that we had to hear for the make-a-wish foundation of san diego uh, couldn't have been a better time i think it was a big success for him but <clears throat> tell us what do you have because man your cup must runneth over Oh, you're not kidding. Well, let me start by just mentioning the Stan Miller Yacht Invitational up here out of Newport Beach, and it runs out of San Diego. And I just want to make one note that those folks, I was treated so nicely 
over there when I emceed the beginning of the whole thing on Friday. And I'm looking right now, Sporty Game is in first place, Janice O, second, Blue Chip third, and fourth place, the good karma, my good friend, Captain Sean Morgan. They have yet to weigh in J2's fish, but they had a lot of marlin, tuna, Dorado. It's been really, really exciting. But Stant Miller Yachts, wow, class act, great food, great friends, great times, and I'll keep you in touch with that. And if I see the totals come up here in front of me during the show tonight, John, I'll be sure and let you know. Looking uh, at a Wahoo that was taken here yesterday, unbelievably west of Santa Barbara Island, actually kind of between Santa Barbara Island and Anacap Island on the 17 Fathom spot, a spot that we used to call the Kidney Bank. And Eric Monte and his 14-year-old son was up there on their private boat, Mastardes, and they end up with a 52.5-pound who up there. Took them about 20 minutes to land that fish. The 14-year-old did all the fighting. And that is really something. You had a short-billed spearfish on the grande and some other unusual catches. And we were into this crazy fishing. Offshore San Diego area, it's a little hit and miss. The wind is up today, and that's supposed to be gone tomorrow. There's still some big scores. Grande with a 150-plus mix. Yellowfin tuna and Dorado, great fishing for them. You look at the commander today, and he didn't catch squat all day long on a three-quarter day trip. Found a kelp on the way home, and at the last minute, Bailed himself out with 60, yellowfin and skipjack and dorado and a couple of yellowtail to go along with that. Many boats having nice days, but some missing, so you have to keep that in mind. And, you know, kelp paddy fish do not respond well to wind, and when we get a little bit of wind, sometimes that'll push them down. So we'll keep our eyes on that, see where we go from here. I assume it's going to come roaring back. All this warm water, beautiful conditions, returning tomorrow. It should be really, really good, John. And some of that fish... Down below the border, a lot of boats are starting to make a left-hand turn now. Is in the 5 to 15-pound class. Some's a little bit smaller, but there's some bigger stuff mixed up with it. And, again, I think that wind may have had just a slight adverse effect on it. Tornado boats up here out of the L.A. Orange County base landings having some pretty good fishing. But, wow, what a day today on the Sea Trek three-quarter day boat out of Hellgren's with my good friend Captain Sean Hardigan. Just got off the horn with Sean. 75 mixed tuna, Dorado, yellowtail, awesome fishing in three-quarter day rains of Oceanside today. Really marvelous fishing, and you just have to marvel at how good it is right now. I was out yesterday on board the Highliner out of Redondo with my friend Gary LaCroix. I first met Gary, John, and now I'm really dating myself. Back in the early 1970s, he was on board the Pursuit running out of Redondo sport fishing with a guy named Frank Grace. Those two guys became Torrance police officers and had distinguished careers there and retired finally. There was another guy down there, John Gray, who was one of the, with those three guys that I used to fish with as a kid a lot, and their son, Jeff Gray, was on board the Highline yesterday. Fun times at Catalina Island. Five miles outside of the west end of Catalina are yellowfin tuna that don't want to bite, assuming that maybe they're moving on the full moon. That happens a lot, and they need to settle down, but there's a lot of that small-grade five-pound yellowfin tuna, five- to ten-pound YFT that might go off here one of these days. At the island itself, boats like the Indian. We watched David really brailing bait and hanging big yellows over there. We had several yellowtail. We watched the Pursuit catching yellowtail. We watched uh, out of L.A. Waterfront sport fishing, the Sport King catching yellows. They're mixed in size at Cat also. You run into this three, four, five-pound yellowtail. Then you run into this 30-pound yellowtail. You just never know what you're going to catch. My son, Philip. Ended up with a jackpot fishing with a cousin's rod, so we had a great time. And just that variety of fish at Cat John was really fun. I'm talking 
Bonita, Barracuda, Calico Bass, Sheep's Head, uh, Yellowtail, just fun stuff with all that variety. In closer to the coast today, talk to the Monte Carlo, their AM trip out of 22nd Street Landing, half-day fishing with 61 Bonita, 36 Barracuda, four Calicos, 21 of those big Yellowtail. Victory was having a good day, and it sounded like the native son. I never got his numbers before coming on air. He was well over 50-plus on the big yellows. He may even have better than that. Channel Island area, how, how can I? I mean, you know, it's hard for me to say this. They're catching yellowtail, barracuda, bonita, and, yes, some wahoo up there around <laughs> Oxford right now. Um, it's really wild what's going on. But their bite has kind of slowed up here during this full moon. But they are still looking at a lot of big schools of yellows up there. They're big up fish. That stuff will bite again. I have no doubt about that. And that is looking very, very good up there in that neck of the woods. But it has slowed here the last couple of days. We're not going to lose the forest for the trees, but want everybody to know exactly what's going on. And next Saturday, September the 5th, for everybody who wants to know, it's a free fishing day. You do not need a fishing license, so you can go out on the beach of your choice or the boat of your choice. Take somebody you love out and show them the great sport of sport fishing. You can save the license fee that day and see if we can't get another hook, a kid hook on fishing. John, a lot going on, and we're just scratching the surface right now. No question about it. Well, so, Phil, how far how far south if they turn left out of San Diego are they finding that that tuna that's mixed five to thirty or whatever it is? Stan, you can find it right when you go across the border. In fact, you find it out on the nine and short of the nine, staying up in U.S. waters, and then you hang a left. And for those people who know the area pretty well, kind of like from uh, the three seventy one, the three hundred two down to the Hidden Bank, up to the 425. That whole zone is all holding kelp paddy fish. Of course, getting there as a private boater, good and early in the morning. I heard what Bill was saying about find your own fish, and that's part of the fun of this whole thing. Following somebody around is no fun. So, you know, being on the grounds, I like to tell people when they're private boaters and the advice we give them on our GPS service, get there an hour before the sun is coming up. Have your cup of coffee then because you're not going to have time to put your feet on the dash and have a cup once the gray comes. You're going to be working too hard. You're going to be looking and searching hard. And get down there before the gray. Get everything situated. Get your trolling stuff ready to rock. Get your bait rods and iron rods and everything else ready to go. And then find a kelp. And that's the zone. It's it's really, really close. In most cases, a little too close to Point Loma at time, Stan. <laughs> hey, I you know... Uh... Phil, uh, we were talking with Bill, and right now bait here is at a premium because there's such a demand for it. What's the bait situation out of the landings in L.A. and, and going up the coast? Mostly the same, John. Very poor at in the most. I have to tell you, Redondo has a reputation of having very, very uh, inconsistent bait out there at the receiver. Man, they, we, we loaded up with beautiful bait. I was very, very nice. impressed. They had mackerel at the receiver as well as a lot of chovy to chum with. So we had all that. But in most cases, very difficult right now and not uncommon during warm water years. We find that a lot, and we're certainly finding that right now. So very difficult in most cases. A lot of guys, a lot of boats, for example. The other day when I was out on a private boat, I was talking to my friend Scott Buchert on the Victory, and he called me over to a spot. And when I got there, he wasn't there. So I'm, I'm looking around for the Victory, and I, and I get on the cell phone, and I call him, and I go, you know, you sucked me all the way up here, and I was catching yellows back where we were. And you're not here. What's going on? And he's, hey, calm down. Calm down. We're snagging mackerel. We ran out of bait. We're coming back out there. So that's what's going on. The bait situation is so poor at times that sometimes in the middle of the triple bull, we'll have to go back to the break wall, snag some mackerel, 
and then pop back out there again. Stan, you're, uh, uh, we've talked about chunking here a couple of times, and I know probably you as, as well as anybody knows what chunking is. Can you uh, just give us a, a, a quick uh, instruction on how to chunk and how to go about fishing on the chunk? Well, it's, it's actually pretty simple. When you run out of bait, but you have a lot of dead, <clears throat> you just cut that dead into chunks, and you make them in about an inch and a half or two inches chunks, depending on what kind of bait you got, too. But just start, put them in a big bucket and start throwing it over the side pieces at a time. You don't have to throw it a lot. But a lot of times this yellowfin will come right to your boat. It'll be just like, it's kind of like almost thrown in in the trout pond at some point in time. But you'll watch them coming right underneath your boat, and they'll eat the chunk as fast as they'll eat the chunk, rather, as fast as they'll eat the live bait. So once you start your bait floating down, take it, just put a two-odd hook or a three-odd hook in a chunk of bait, and throw it up in front of your boat. If you throw the chunk uh, above your boat, <clears throat> whichever way your boat is floating, throw it in front so the boat it goes underneath the boat. Throw the chunk out, upswell, and let it sink out and feed it line. You don't want it spinning uh, as it's going down. Just let it look like another chunk. And when it starts moving, just lock and load. Uh, it's actually a pretty fun way to fish, and you don't have to go very far. If you let it drop about, oh, 20 or 30 feet, um, and usually you're, you'll find out where the fish are. They'll, they'll tell you where they want it. Sometimes it's a little further away from the boat. Most of the time they'll come right up underneath your boat within 20 or 30 feet of the boat and eat it. <clears throat> Sometimes you need a swivel on that, too, depending on, because the bait, I mean, a chunk of it, if you've got a hard drift, it'll spin, so you don't want it spinning. You'll, uh, you, you'll need to kind of keep that under control. If it spins a lot, you're going to twist your line up, and it's, Pretty miserable. But wow. Hey, Phil, I, man, I was excited to hear about that wahoo, and I understand it was a father and son, as you mentioned, and they got that fish on the troll. How did that fish ever get through the gauntlet of Southern California waters to get off of Santa Barbara Island? Man, that is a good question, because when I was uh, speaking at the Sam Miller Invitational on Friday night, that's exactly what I said. I can't believe nobody has caught a who this year, and you got to think there's some skins in our future, and here comes one out of nowhere and so far as you're pointing out john way way up there i have no idea how that little devil got up that far but i do know that it's probably the first of many to come and we're probably looking down the barrel of one incredible fall bite it is going to be one for the record books it already has been fascinating and fun and you know you just never know what is going to be next and you don't even know that when you come up on these kelps and that's the beautiful thing about fall fishing in San Diego, and this year especially, you come up on a kelp, you don't know if you're going to catch a yellowfin tuna, a bluefin tuna, a dorado, a yellowtail, a short-billed spearfish, a wahoo. It's really crazy right now, and I don't think we're going to see any lack of craziness in our future. I'm still waiting to hear the guy that catches a tuna off a pier. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. I'm with you, Stan. It could happen. Hey, Stan, you're, Rooster, you've got Rooster a lot more familiarity. Stan, you have a lot more familiarity with Wahoo. Are are those loner fish, or do they have a tendency to run in packs? Well, you know, you can have big loners. You know, the bigger fish will be singular, but most of the time they like to run in, you know, packs, a wolf pack, and there's usually more than one around. If you're in the guys that are fishing out there, if you run up on a kelp paddy where there's dorado, and you start getting bit off, and you think maybe it's a dorado with teeth, my best that is, there's one of those critters is out there, they love eating the wahoo. Boy. I mean, the wahoo love eating the dorado, so 
take a bomb or something that's wired up, you know, a piece of iron that's the greater bait or something you can throw and grind on and throw it out there and do if there's Dorado around, they'll eat it. All but right. They'll still eat it. They don't care about wire, but if you happen to find that one lone wahoo or there's a small wolf pack of them out there, you've got a shot at catching them now. I just think it's smart to be ready. All right. Sounds good, Stan. Hey, Phil. What a great report tonight, and I know you spent a lot of time uh, because you had your uh, uh, your time with the Stan Miller event, but thank you for being with us. If we want to catch up with all the great things that are happening, Dia, how can we uh, uh, keep up? John, always a pleasure to be with you. Looking forward to talking to you about my rooster fish and the surf next week from Surfside, California. <laughs> now we're talking. We can catch a room Thursday. <laughs> hey, hey, you can catch us at www.pfomedia.com or go to PFO on Facebook and, of course, PFO on Instagram and uh, also YouTube. And uh, in Spanish, Aventura Salada Libre. We're on the air every Friday night at 9, Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. 690. Aventura Salada Libre on Facebook and also Aventura Salada Libre.com. And, of course, uh, right here on my favorite, Rod and Rail Radio, every Sunday, John. Phil, and I know that group that you hang out with, there's going to be a lot of competition for that first rooster fish, so good luck on that. Yeah, bring your lunch, everybody. <laughs> Let's get this thing. All right. Phil Friedman with a great report on what's happening on the saltwater side off our local Southern California coast. Hey, we got to take a break right now. Coming up next is Captain James Nelson with a local inshore report. You're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM540. Or tune in to us on rodandreelradio.com if you have a hard time getting a hold of the signal. Or if you can't make the entire show, just go to rodandreelradio.com, hit the archive page, and there'll be an archive of this and shows for the past 10 years. So thanks a lot for listening to everyone. More Rod and Real Radio to come. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back after these messages. Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of western plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. 
My Angler H2Oath. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. We do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. And here's a note for you. If you have had a hard time finding Gamakatsu Nautilus hooks, and those are the name of the circle hooks that Gamakatsu uses, Angler's Arsenal has a great supply of them. They also have a great supply of the Nautilus ring hooks. So if you want to use absolutely the best circle hook on the market, it's the Nautilus hook by Gamakatsu, and they're available at Angler's Arsenal right now. Come on in and get them because we've got plenty of them. Hey, now it's time for the California Inshore Report with Captain James Nelson. Captain James, has this been absolutely one of the best months to be a fisherman? And and you've been right on top of it the entire month. John, there's a lot of fish out there. It's just been wonderful. It's (laughs) fun to see them. (laughs) Man, we're... What have you been doing uh, uh, this past week? Uh, with What are your clients been wanting to do, and where have you been taking them, Jim? Well, everybody wants to catch a yellowtail, and, uh, you know, most of these yellowtail are willing to oblige on the bite part, but not willing to oblige for the camera. So they're there. Uh, there's sea lions on them. There's hammerhead sharks on them. There's uh, kelp and rock on them. So if you just muscle them out, get them up, Get them into your net, gap in the boat, whatever it takes. Get them on ice. Take pictures. They're there. The, the fish are there. And whenever the yellowtail are, are are playing picky, you've got lots of good bonita, calicos, barracuda. I mean, it's just been really good. You know, I, I don't want to make this a theme that we're harping on, but uh, we know the bait has not been exactly what we've been looking forward to, and the private boaters uh, have just a hard time getting bait Uh, uh How's the bait situation with you, and what are you doing as an alternative to uh, 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 bait fishing uh, to keep your customers on to fish? You know, yeah, that's a good question, John. The bait is what it is. You know, I'm glad I got my little uh, Promar Ahi sabiki rod. You know, if you got a sabiki rod, great. If you don't know what those are, I mean, you reel the whole thing right into it, keeps it out of the way so you don't snag them. But if you have to, just tie a sabiki on. There's plenty of fish out there as far as mackerel and uh, smelt that you could catch, and they they all make good bait. Uh, the other trick is just throw irons, throw metal. I mean, between the Phoenix irons and jigs and lead heads and swim baits that we got now, I mean, there's so much stuff you could throw out there on these fish as well as, of course, the mega baits and crocodiles and whatever your favorite spoon is. Today, uh... I was throwing a good old-fashioned old crippled herring. You know, I had a guy out there, and we were throwing that, and that was working good. So, you know, the fish are willing to bite things that are flashy, shiny, moving. So get out there. Jim, let's talk a little bit about that sabiki rig uh, uh, fishing for your own bait. And I, I don't want you to give away the where or anything like that, but the the how and, and what do you look for or 
or to, to start fishing with this? And, and what size hooks do you use for uh, on the or sabikis for uh, uh, catching your bait? That's a great question, John. You know, if we're catching uh, the top smelt, you want to go with the smallest you can. I usually I usually go with the small ones anyway because uh, even with the smallest sabiki, that's what, 10 or 12s, I mean, you're still going to catch uh, 11, 12-inch mackerel, which to me is fine for cut bait, but usually we're not going to be throwing that on the hook, and you know, unless we're trying to catch a hammerhead. <laughs> and that's a whole different story. Yeah. Uh, the main thing that you're looking for is if you look around the kelp or around the uh, any of the channel marker buoys or any of the other little pieces of structure that are out in the bay, uh, you'll, you'll see a current, and if you get on the lee side of any of that current, Get yourself uh, some type of chum in the water if you've got it. If you ain't got any kind of meat, just drag it, toss it, get something in the water, kind of get those fish stirred up, and then drop your sabiki down there. I I usually use a little cast master or a little grub on a leadhead rather than a weight on the bottom because you never know. I mean, just that extra little flash, that extra little something usually helps track fish. Yeah, we had a report uh, last year uh, for the uh, the fishermen that were running out of bait at the uh, in the East Cape Marlin tournament that uh, uh, they ran out of bait, so they they ran maybe six or seven miles away from where they thought the marlin were, started throwing their sabiki rigs down, and the next thing they know, the marlin were coming through the sabiki rigs. So that had to be exciting. I can imagine. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Hey, uh, Captain James, uh, when it when it comes to uh, the uh, the yellowtail, what, what's the type of fish? Uh, are you catching them just off our kelp, or are they uh, all along the coastline? You know, that's part of the problem, John. I mean, they are out there in the in the bluer water. Uh, some of them are hanging on the kelp patties, and it doesn't really size doesn't matter when it comes to a patty. But unfortunately, most of the ones that we're getting, the, the bigger and the better ones and the more aggressive, eager-to-bite ones, are in 65 to 85 feet of water with bull kelp and rocks. And if you're not throwing, you know, 50-pound or better, uh, it's really hard to get those fish to move. And you really got to crank the drag, trust your line. Uh, some of my better rigs are the ones that have 50-pound uh, braid on it with, uh, and we're throwing a 40-pound fluorocarbon leader on it and those rigs are, are having a better chance at survival not all my rigs have that and i may have to make some adjustments because uh, we got a lot of the 30 and 40 pound mono that's just it's breaking these fish get down and you just unless you get them turned right away you're not going to do it and uh and i know the difference in the fishermen when i not not to you know not to hurt anybody's feelings but i know the difference in fishermen when i've got locals who are more attuned to that versus, like, say, somebody uh, who's more attuned to freshwater, walleye, and trout fishing because until they get that first yellowtail on, folks that have never caught one before have no idea how strong and how brutal these fish are, whereas I've got guys who, you know, grew up around here fishing, maybe even on party boats, and they know that if you don't move that fish now, he's going to take advantage of that. You know, uh, right now, uh, Jim, uh, I guess the tendency is when you leave, if you leave San Diego Bay, you make a right-hand turn, you go west. Is there anything happening when you leave San Diego Bay and you 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 turn left and uh, go down towards Imperial Beach? Have you heard of any fish coming off that area? Um, I've been avoiding it. Been, uh, sea lions have really taken over from everybody I talk to, but I understand the fish are still there. Uh, the Bonita are breezing. If you get on the Bonitas that are breezing, they're running pretty good size. 
we actually chased a school of bonita from the Whistler all the way up to Sunset Cliffs. Oh, my God. And uh, we were out over about 200 feet of water, give or take, and the water was somewhat calm during the weekday, and it was just, you could just see this eruption in the water of, of breezing bonita run over to it. We found spoons were better because by the time you took your bait out and got it ready, it was they were gone. So we were just throwing spoons out, nice long cast, getting on them, hooking up, you know, high five and taking the fish off, high five and congratulating ourselves, and they were a mile and a half up again. So then we'd race the boat up to them, and it's just pure running and gunning. I did that with a couple of guys, and they ended up with 30 bonita by the end of the day. It was just awesome. Oh, great fishing. And what's, what, uh, what's the quality of those bonita? They're running five to eight pounds if you get on the right school. They, oh, they, nice. they seem to be schooling by size, John. We did the same type of thing later in the day today, and there were we had a much smaller size school, but we did it anyway because it was fun. And right. then eventually, uh, Kendall ended up getting a bigger one out of a different school. But you get on those breezers, man, it's, and that's what guys are doing for tuna. It's almost the same thing. Uh, just these fish are a lot less picky. They're a little more eager to please, and they'll hit anything that shines. All right. You know, we used to fish that those breezer <laughs> bonita with a uh, spinning rod and a we take a piece of two-inch dowel, cut about a four-inch chunk of it, and put eye screws into the end of it and paint it white or red or something like that, and then put four feet of line or something on the back and just a hook with a feather <clears throat> tied on it and throw that out there and run that splasher through the middle of the bonita, and they, the big ones just would climb all over that thing. It was a, That's a fun way to fish. Yeah, well, I hey. can imagine, Stan, that would be a good way. I, you know, I... I really, I was really pleased to hear you say something like that because, I mean, that's exactly what it seems like. We could just go back to some of those old school methods, you know, maybe even some of those methods John used to do back in the jack bowling days. <laughs> well, and not... that, if you want to have fun, and a lot of people have a spinning rod, you know, throw twenty pound test on it, put a put a splash or a piece of wood on it, or you can just tie it, it'll splash through the water, and put a, a short piece of of mono on the back with you can buy you can still buy the little weighted feathers you know at any lot of the tackle shops around and throw that out there and just wind it across the surface but everything ate that back when that was just a really fun way to fish and these guys that are on the half day boats everybody's got a spinning rod that's a fun way to go up and splash around and catch whatever's out there oh yeah hey guy hey jim if we want to get a hold of you book a trip Find out what your schedule is. How's the best way to do it? Well, you can always reach me online. There's even a link at the uh, Rod and Reel Radio website. Or you can go to thefishicon.com. Or give me a call, 619-395-0799. All right, Captain James Nelson, The Fish Icon. We look forward to speaking to you next week. And, Jim, I know we'll be in contact with you during the week. You have a fantastic week of fishing, okay? Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you later. All right. Hey, and hopefully now we've got uh, Wendy Toshahar with an update on what happened at the 2015 Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge. Wendy, are you there? I am here, and it was amazing. It's a great event. It's a great community event. And the um, wishes that are granted through this tournament is amazing, and it's a tearjerker. And if anybody ever has the chance to donate or participate, I highly recommend it. They had 92 boats, 412 anglers, 18 junior anglers, 35 women anglers, and they caught two exotics. They caught two spearfish during the tournament. 
And I want to say it was an amazing event. The first two groups to come up were the juniors, 11 and under, and 12 through 15. And both those winners were junior lady anglers. Wow. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, and so so the 11-year-old was Kaylee Gray, and she had an 11.90-pound yellowfin. And the 12- to 15-year-old was Tiana... Tiana Salerno with a 22.60-pound yellowfin tuna. The largest Dorado went to Matthew Genovese with a 25-pound Dorado. Um, the Dorado side pot went to Real Medicine with 25 pounds. The largest Yellowtail Award went to Rich Trufa with a 12.20 Yellowtail. And uh, the Helena C., Helen C., got a... 12.20. So they must have been on the same boat. The High Lady Angler Award, which was sponsored by Iserline, she got a $500 gift certificate to Nordstrom for catching a 47.40 pound yellowfin tuna. Nice. The Small Boat Division winners um, went to first place, went to Eric McCauley. And you guys know Eric. He's with the Fred Holland Associates Group. Um, they ended up with a 59.60-pound yellowfin tuna. The large boat division went to Mike Mule with a 56.20-pound yellowfin tuna. Um, Richard Thomas Memorial Grand Prize, which is the top angler winner for the largest tuna, went to Brandon Nelson with a 62.20-pound yellowfin tuna. Nice yellowfin. Nice fish. The small boat division went to efficiency with 155.60 points, and that was a 976 bite tuna boat division, or or, or, um, boat. And the large boat division went to Mipanga with 236.60 points, and they had no club affiliation. But the high point, again, was Mipanga with 236.6, and the high club which is the highest scoring total of the clubs, went to Southwestern Yacht Club. So they had 205.50 points. Wow. So that that's the total report. A great event, and I highly recommend it for next year. Great. Um, it was a great time, and, and one of the kids that got a wish stood up there, and he wanted to uh, go fish for salmon and be able to go to Alaska. But instead, he got a whole bunch of fishing trips, and he was a happy camper. Wow. Now, Wendy, I, uh, with that type of uh, uh, a following for the Make-A-Wish this year, I understand that it could have been a record-breaking event for raising funds for uh, Make-A-Wish of San Diego, and all the money stays in San Diego to Make-A-Wish. Did you hear how they uh, came out on the donation side? I did not hear the final total, but I am anticipating a record total. Wow, that is great. Well, Wendy, I can't thank you enough uh, for representing Ron Real Radio there. I'm sorry I couldn't have been with you, but uh, it sounds like you managed to squeak out a great time and you represented uh, Ron Real Radio really well. Thank you very much. Oh, I thank you for sending me, and I had a great time, and Chuck did too. Chuck and his family. All right. Winnie Toshihara with uh, a report on the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge for 2015. Sounded like it was a record-breaking event. 
congratulations to all the fishermen that fished that event because when it comes down to the, the final tally, it's for those kids that are in life-threatening or in you know situations where their health is not good that uh, they get wishes and for them and their family, and, and that's where the money goes to. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. Wendy Toshihara, you just heard from Stan Vandenberg's with me, but hold on. We're going to have on next a fisherman that won the FLW Cup, the Forest Elwood Cup. He took home a half a million dollars for winning this event. We're going to catch up with him, find out how he did it, and has that half million dollars changed his life at all? Stay tuned. More Ron Real Radio to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east main at el cajon or online anytime anywhere at el H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons. And outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. 
El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Hey, we do want to welcome you back to our Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with me tonight. And Stan, this past week, the 2015 Forest Wood Cup was held at Lake Wachita, just outside of Hot Springs Village. It is the FLW uh, equivalent to the Bassmaster Classic. Fishermen have been fishing all year to qualify to get to this cup. It offered a $500,000 first place prize. There were fishermen from all over the country fishing there, but there's one guy that makes it to the top. We've got him on the radio show right now from the great state of Tennessee. Welcome to Rod and Reel Radio, the winner of the 2015 Forest Wood Cup, Mr. Brad Knight. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. You know, I have a real, this is Stan here, I've got a real affection for this little tournament. My dad's from uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and we got a whole lot of family around there. As a kid, I fished Oxtaw a bunch. And, and hearing, when it started at the first of the year, when they said you were going to fish there a little later on, I thought this was going to be a fun one. But you really had uh, your own little program going in one little area that just paid out. I did. You know, it was really a crazy story. I uh, Going in, we've had a couple of championships there this time of the year. And the predominant patterns have kind of been the, the brim spawn and the, and the short pockets of the prop bait for brush piles. Uh, school and fish were going to be a factor. And, and really, there's a lot more grass this year than there has been in the past. A lot of hydrilla and millful. And I really thought that between the grass and the brush piles, that was going to be the two main players in this term. And I, I spent a lot of my time in practice looking for that and never really could get anything going. And I roll in uh, the first day about lunch, and I, I go to the back of Blake Through Creek where I ended up winning the tournament. And when you think about winning the Forest Wood Cup or a tournament like that, finding the one magic spot, you think about four-pounders breaking everywhere, just going there, and it's just magical, you know, just going, you know you're going to win. And it was totally opposite. I go in there, I catch a couple of keepers, nothing special, a handful of non-keepers, and I really didn't think much of it and went on. And the second and third days, I'm putting like 16 and 17-hour practice days together, and I really couldn't get anything going. I never got a keeper bite the second and third day of practice. I caught a ton of fish, just nothing that was that stood out as, as, as that would even have women potential. So I started day one of that tournament in that back of that creek just at a default because it was the only place I thought I could go to catch a keeper. And just kind of stayed back there and all four days and made key adjustments each day to the weather. And uh, consistency was the key in this deal for sure. You know, I read a little uh, part of the article that you would uh... – that was written that said you'd, you'd had uh, uh, the electronics going and started marking as you went in and out of the the uh, creek channel there, marking rock or or wood across the bottom uh-huh. that you made long casts to to really help you in the end? It did. We had a couple of deals going with, uh, a couple of years ago there was a tornado that came through this area and deposited a lot of trees out across this mud flat. And, and you could see, like, the pieces of a tree that would stick up. But, the, but I was sharing water with another angler there, and, and the key for me, really, was I would find where that log was in the water with my grass, and I would kind of just go down the end of that log until I found the end of it. And you would either have a root wad, or you would have the bushy part of the tree with, like, the limbs and stuff. One of those two things that I would make a waypoint. And, and that was really the key for me, was, was fishing those places where I knew the, those were the bites that we had. You could catch some off the obvious part of the tree that you could see sticking out of the water, but really the the root ones of the trees were the key places you would get bites. And we also had a deal going where the water was falling about six to eight inches every day 
So each day you'd be able to see down in the water, you know, going from one tree to the next. I would find four to six different trees in that big flat that I could barely see a dark spot or something under the water. And I would do the same thing with my graph and, and mark key waypoints that would allow me to, to get an extra bite or two throughout the day off of that kind of stuff. It was dropping six inches a day, you said? Yeah. Woo, no wonder. I was uh, in the article I read said you were working reaction baits the first day, but I can see where after uh, if you're in a shallow creek, or bay, or whatever you were in. I don't know much about Blakely, but um, it sounds like, you know, your first day they were eating the reaction bite pretty good for you, and then that quit and, and with falling water. That would make sense, And but your adjustments were great. Yeah, it worked out really well. The first day, I, I got bid and caught like a 10 or 11-pound lemon off of the laws themselves, and I started kind of working my way out of the area to kind of preserve what I had, and ended up kind of stumbling on a buzzbait pattern, kind of out more in the creek. Uh, couple miles from there on some of the really flat mud banks. And I culled four times and probably had another four or five bites I didn't catch that were all big bites. And, and I really was, was going to put my hat on that deal. I thought that was going to be what was going to win the, have a chance to win the tournament because I was getting the quality bites that way. And uh, so I rolled back in on day two, fished the logs, I catch two big ones that morning, so I've got a pretty decent limit. And now I go out and, and go back and doing the buzzbait deal and never really, I caught one, I think, that culled for me, and that was it. Never had any more bites. It's, so that really went away. And what I think really was happening, was there were a lot of spectator boats, a lot of media boats back in there. And I think the pressure kind of knocked away on the aggressive fish. I think they were kind of the fresh ones that hadn't been messed with a whole lot. You know, they were back in the back of the creek. But, and I, I really think we kind of picked off some of the easy ones there. And from that point on, you kind of had to go to the drop shot to get the bites a little bit more. So what color were you throwing on the drop shot? What'd you throw? Uh, morning, Don. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were fishing robo worm or what? Who's who's worm? Yeah, it's a robo worm. Yeah, I caught him on a robo worm. All these doggone. You know, you know, Brad. You said that the uh, your pre-fish wasn't exactly what you had anticipated to be. This was only the second FLW Cup that you had qualified for. Your chance at the big show, and at the pre-fish for two days. Am I correct? You never had a keeper. Uh, just in the second and third day, I never got a keeper. Just the first day in that area, I caught a couple there. And I had a handful of keeper bites the first day doing some shallow fishing stuff with top water. But, uh, yeah, it was it was going to be kind of an interesting tournament for me. I was just I was going to keep an open mind, and, and just I was going to start back there and just and just kind of wing it. I was going to just go fish some topwater places and, and, and hit a few of the brush piles that looked good. That I thought I had potential. Just kind of let the day happen. So once I kind of found that area and caught what I had back there and then had stumbled onto that buzzbait pattern running more new water. Yeah, I knew pretty much that was what I was going to do the rest of the time. Well, tell me about uh, how much drop shot fishing you're doing, because we think about that more as a Western technique. And, yes, there are a lot of the Western fishermen that go out there and, you know, Aaron Martins and those guys that, that fish that technique. Is, is that a technique that is more and more acceptable right now, or was that kind of like your secret weapon? No, I don't think it's really too much of a secret weapon. You're starting to see a lot more people employ that kind of stuff. And it's really something I use. It's my go-to bait. You know, you get asked a lot, well, if you had one bait you could use throughout the country, what would it be? It would be a drop shot for me just because of the versatility and just get back. It's my number one thing that I have to, when it all else fails and I need to just start catching some fish to generate strikes, that's what I go to. And uh, the drop shot was kind of a two-fold deal for me in the back of this creek around that wood. Uh, the first thing was the pressure. You know, obviously just get more strikes. It's more of a finesse deal. But number two, we're in the back of a creek. It's tilted up. 
and those fish that are around those logs, when you're fishing that bait over there, I can keep my bait in one spot, and I keep it up out of that dirt, that silt. I find those fish don't really like to, to take a bait out of that mucky bottom. They really get a lot more strikes up off the bottom and out of that stuff. And the other guys that were in there were kind of fishing a jig and some of the Texas tree worm stuff, and I think that it was definitely getting more strikes than they were. Now, tell us, uh, in that last day, though, you must have been uh, uh, pretty tense. You knew that you had uh, a chance for the top. You were, you know, you were in the top finishers. Uh, the bite wasn't everything. And was there a story, I understand, that you went to a special crankbait and got some fish on that? I did, yeah. And like I was talking earlier, making the key adjustments each day to the weather was, was, was absolutely pivotal. And we had a wind change the last day later on. It was blowing into the creek. It was starting to dirty the water up a little more. And I ended up going to a homemade crankbait, uh, something I built and painted years ago. And I hadn't actually caught a fish on it in probably four or five years. But my instincts just kind of kick in, and I listened to it. I actually had a Lucky Craft square bill on that I was wanting to fish with. I stopped, power pulled down, changed bait. And on my third cast, I caught my biggest fish of the day and ended up pulling two or three more times in, in that hour period that, uh, ended up propelling me into the wind. So I have a I have a drop shot question. When you were drop okay. shotting, how how far or how high up was your bait um, from the bottom from your drop shot? It ended up being about twelve inches. I didn't have anything really tall because of the water I was fishing was only about three feet deep. Wow! Now you know you had uh, four days of fishing. Uh, you you know caught a good bag of fish, but you probably didn't have a lot of confidence in it. Tell me a little bit about what your thoughts were where you were standing uh, sitting in line for uh, that uh, that last day waiting to weigh in. Well, I really anticipated probably needing to catch about thirteen pounds to at least have a chance. And I was I had a, a average bag, and I was kind of waiting on that one bite to kind of happen throughout the day, and I never did get that four or five pounder that I thought would, would be able to be a difference maker for me. So I was really disappointed. I, I knew I was going to have an outside chance, but I really thought second or third place is where I was going to end up. So now we've got to drive from the lake after we check in to the arena, which is about a 40-minute drive. Man, it seemed like it took four hours to get there. I was really disappointed. <laughs> and, and I, I thought I'd never get there. And, and once we got there and kind of started, rumor mills started flying around. Some of my buddies had been following the Twitter feed. We're kind of talking, but... You never wanted to allow yourself to believe that you know you were going to win. I, I, I waited till the final bag hit the scale, and they told me I was the winner before I would allow myself to even think about it. Because that would be the ultimate disappointment to think you were going to win, and all of a sudden you get rug jerked out from underneath your feet. But well, what an incredible experience! I mean, that, unbelievable. Weren't your limits in the uh, twelve or fourteen pound realm uh, the the first few days, and the last day was it eleven? I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, how I think that uh, I went fourteen and a half the first day, and then another fourteen. Found bag second, uh, twelve something the third, and then eleven the fourth day. And you won by four pounds. That was pretty pretty good. Yeah, it's really incredible. We had a lot of weather changing every day, and there were a lot of guys going into the third day. I know Jacob Wheeler, the guy leading, he was catching his fish schooling, I believe. So we had a lot of storms come through, and a lot of wind really blow hard that last day, and it seemed to really hurt a lot of those guys that were fishing that late. Well, that's where the, the fish, your, the reaction fish, if you're fishing that and the wind hits, it's going to push all your bait and everything. If it blows one way and you're catching them, then it blows another way the next day, you're not going to get them. That happens all the time. you got to adjust to that. Right. 
Wow. Yeah, that was uh, the way, just another testament to the area I was in. It just had a lot of fish in there. You just kind of put the trolling motor down and just figured each day out to what conditions were happening. We had sun, we had clouds, wind, rain, and each day kind of seemed to be just a little bit different. And uh, and having a terrible pre-fish, another example, I, whenever you go three hours without a bite, I wouldn't be thinking about, man, I need to jerk this trolling motor up and run to this pocket because I bet they're schooling over there. I need to run over here and fish this first pile or, or this drop-off or this grass mat. You know, I just didn't have any confidence in any of those places. So each morning when I put my trolling motor down, I never picked it back up until it was time to go check in. I knew I had an area that had the right fish in it. If I could just figure out each day the, the key to get the right bite. Hey, we are speaking with Brad Knight. He is the winner of the 2015 Forest Wood Cup. Fished on Lake uh, Watchtaw, just outside of Hot Springs Village. Uh, Brad, uh, can you spend another segment with us so we can get to know you a little bit better? Absolutely. All right. Hey, you got Wendy Toshahar, the sales manager for Iserlite, and Stan Vandenberg, the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT. I'm Hopalong John Cassidy. You're listening to us on Rod and Reel Radio or rodandreelradio.com. Stay tuned. More to come with the 2015 Forestwood champion, Brad Knight, after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and to secure online booking. H&M Landing, experienced anglers, first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
Captain Chris Rando from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those of you who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Hey, I've got a special special message for you. Melanie and Jose from Cedrus uh, Outdoor Adventures, they've had a fantastic fishing season down there. But you know what? It's not over yet. And they have a number of specials that they're going to offer you to come on down and visit them at the Baja Magic Lot there at Cedrus Island. You can fish 2015, and they also have specials for 2016s. And here's a new package they just brought aboard for fishing out of brown field. Packages aren't going to be offered, though, for the next few uh, for very long. It's only going to be for the next few weeks. So if you want to go down, fish Cedrus Island in 2015-2016, give them a call at 619-793-5419. That's Cedrus Outdoor Adventures, 619-793-5419. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome again to the show Brad Knight, winner of the 2015 Forest Wood Cup uh, uh, event at uh, Lake Wachita outside of Hot Springs Village. And, and Brad, you know, we're probably, people out here in the West aren't probably as familiar with you as we could be. Tell us a little bit about your fishing and how you made it to the Forest uh, Wood Cup this season. Uh, I started out whenever I was in my early 20s fishing uh Started out some of the co-angler stuff and the Ray of Axe and the BFL levels and just kind of worked my way up. Started in the BFLs on the boater side into the Everstart level and then on to the tour. I think finished up my sixth or seventh year on tour and we've got six events. We started out at Lake Toho and we fished all over the country. Ended at Washington, D.C. at the Potomac River. Finished about 35 in the points and we qualified for the Forest Swift Cup. Uh, go there and uh, had four magical days of fishing and, and ended up winning. It was truly one of the most phenomenal experiences in my life. It's totally <laughs> crazy. I can, uh, I can imagine it. Uh, tell us about your fishing experiences in Tennessee. Uh, 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 what are some of the bodies of water that, that you practice on and that you've honed your skills on? Well, I grew up in East Tennessee, um, close to Knoxville, and, and it's produced a, a huge number of guys that have made it on tour fishing and we, that's a testament to the diversity of the water that we have we have everything here but but tidal river we have a lot of the deep clear stuff we have the tennessee river which is where we fish the most uh, 
have Gunnersville, you know, you can go to grass. So growing up fishing tournament trails around here, one Saturday you may be, you know, throwing a frog and punching mats, and the next time you may be drop shotting with four-pound test or six-pound test, you know, and, and deep standing timber. So it, it, that was so normal to me. I, I never really thought about some of the guys that grow up fishing in Florida where it's just all the same stuff and grass or, or that kind of stuff. So and when it went right on tour and you would go to different lakes, it, it really helped me be able to be consistent and, uh, and be able to be versatile. Well, you know, that versatility really comes into play, what you were saying about being able to fish clear water deep, using light line and small baits on some water, and then <clears throat> changing it up and throwing frogs or, or punching through the weed, being versatile and knowing, you know, when you walk into a tackle shop, you know how to fish everything on the wall. That's not, every angler doesn't have that. So that type of right. background really, really helps when you attack a lake. You've got so many new tools or other tools to use. I think really... And, and reading the report there uh, and talking to you, too, uh, your versatility really was the key and uh, knowing that you have targets, um, whether it's throwing the buzz bait or switching to something else or and then eventually just going to the, to, uh, the cre- creativity of knowing that put the weight into the silt, keep the worm above the ground, and let those fish come and find it. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um. Old Hickory is a lake that's outside of Nashville, and they have a lot of those washed-up logs out on the main river. That's kind of where we picked up the drop shot deal. That, that was something that was always kind of a big thing there, and it kind of fit into uh, what I like looking for in the back of the creeks where the water quality is a little better than out on the main lake where you have the color of water. But there's a couple of uh, schools of thought and, and that goes into the into the fishing part. Number one, you've got a guy like Denny Brower, and his total approach is I'm going to flip because that's my strength, and I'm going to do it everywhere I go because that gives me my best chance to win. Well, you're going to have some tournaments where you do really, really good that way, and you're going to have some tournaments where you do really, really bad that way. And, and I, I try to go to a approach where I try to figure out each lake what it needs, to, what the best technique is to do the best there. So I, I don't really have anything I don't feel comfortable doing. I just try to match whatever the lake in the best situation in my mind, what it takes to do best. And it's, it gets kind of like into football on offensive theories. You know, some guys, the spread is the best. Some guys are eye formation. Some guys think the wing is the best. There's no right or wrong answer to what's the best. Just whatever in your approach you think is the best way to fit your style. And, and keeping an open mind, being able to change, too, when the water drops and being able to, to maneuver back, you know, pull out instead of, you know, I'm going to speed them back where I want them to eat, that's not always going to work for you. So, you know, kudos to being able to change. Well, thank you. You're absolutely correct on that. And the difference between good anglers and great anglers are those people that can make those on-the-fly, on-the-water adjustments and decisions. But, you know, pre-fishing really just most of the time isn't really that important. It gives you some ideas and a starting point. But there's so much, once the pressure really starts and the tournaments really start, you start seeing those fish change a lot over the course of a couple of days, and especially in the third and fourth day. And one window is going to close, but there's another one that's going to open. And when you can anticipate that, and that's the difference in the Aaron Martins and the Kevin Van Hans versus the rest of those guys. They anticipate those windows opening, and they're prepared to make that move during the middle of a tournament, scrap everything they've been doing at the snap of your finger, and they make that adjustment into that new deal, that whatever is going to happen when that new window opens. And that's how those guys are consistently able to beat people. You know, Brad, were you able to uh, uh, prepare for a lake like uh, Wachita? Because 
I don't think it's like any of the East Coast lakes. As a matter of fact, it's more like a, a West Coast lake that it's in a, a mountainous area and they've removed a lot of timber for the lake and it goes up and down and I don't believe there's a lot of brush piles. Uh, uh, a lot of people fish uh, tops or, or sagebrush that, that have rolled into the lake. And, you know, it, it probably fishes a lot more like uh, Lake Shasta out here with the way it goes up and down. Were you able to, to prepare for it uh, ahead of time, Any? Well, I really wasn't. But we do have a lot of lakes that are really similar to that here in East Tennessee. We have like a Douglas and Cherokee Lake, and they will fluctuate a foot a day. It, Douglas Lake's only full about two weeks out of the year. And other than that, it's either rising a foot or dropping a foot a day. And so we have a lot of the really deep, clear, fluctuating lakes. And I've got a lot of history on those places. But really, for me, once I, I like really trying to find that dirtier water and find the back of the creeks and that run-in deal in August. You've kind of got uh, the, the deep fish have been hammered. The, it's hard for me to, to think about that stuff being consistent because the bait's starting to suspend and, and move a lot. So that, that was really what I kind of looked for in that situation that was that would end up working out for me but uh yeah just just knowing that it was going to be tough fishing and just matching the, the dirty water that was the key but what was really frustrating to me was that i i looked for a lot of other back of the creek dirty water places and i found four or five that had potential but never really got any bites in those places it ended up being a blessing in disguise because if i went to some of those and caught a couple of good ones i never went back to where i actually won the tournament out of it <laughs> That was uh, kind of what I looked at at Murray last year. It kind of worked out getting that shallow, dirty water, kind of throw top water stuff. And that's the guys that you see pretty successful fish the force with the Jacob Wheelers. And that always seems to be right there. He has that same style. He's going to make those on the water adjustments, kind of cover a lot of water, throw top water, you know, reaction bait type stuff, and, and then see where you're at. Well, tell me now the, the, the confetti and the fanfare and all the, uh, uh, the accolations are, are kind of past now. What's happened in the past week to you that, uh, you know, for winning this tournament? How has your life changed? Oh, it's just, it's been busy, busy, busy. We've, uh, the media, which we've been working on that a bunch. We've done interviews. We've done a lot of news interviews, a lot of film shoots. I actually hosted some of the FLW media crew. They were at the house this week. And we'd go out on Watts Bar, which is a home lake on the Tennessee River, and did some filming. Uh, I had to stay over and do some photo shoots on Monday morning. We were back on the water at daylight to do that. And really, after Monday, I, I got back at lunchtime, and I sat at a picnic table at the campground we stayed at for nine and a half, almost ten hours. I did nothing but return text messages and Facebook messages and, and just trying to get back with all the people that were. So I had like 432 text messages, I think, on my phone after my phone died, and I plugged it up, woke up the next morning. Oops. So, it was incredible, incredible. We got back to my hometown. I mean, they just shut this place down when we rolled back into town. People were holding up signs and had a big celebration downtown when we came through. And got to get out and have a lot of people, their picture made with the cup. And it, what a what an unbelievable experience being able to share that with the, with the folks you grow up with. All your friends and family came up. But it's just been a whirlwind. It's been phenomenal. Uh, been just it's overwhelming, really, from all the all the people want to come by and, and visit. It's, it's just a tremendous, tremendous thing. Now tell me, uh, uh, you walk into your uh, local bank. I'm going to presume that there's a lot of neighborhood banks there. You have a check with your winnings. You go up to the uh, the teller and you say, "Hey, can I please put this in my account? And I'd like to take out a hundred dollars <laughs> just so I can go out and get a pizza." Uh, w- w- any response to that? 
Well, this kind of crazy. Though. We haven't cast it yet. We still got the original check. We still got it. I put the faith here at the house. Um, I'm actually waiting to uh, meet with some financial experts and that kind of kind of deal to see what uh, the best avenue is to take. Kind of save. Because my main goal at this point is obviously to to relieve as much of the tax burden as possible. So I'm going to kind of get some expert opinions on that. And uh, just not had really time to to have those meetings yet and set that stuff up. Hopefully, going to get that done this week. And, and get something done there, but man, I really want to uh, be able to pay my house off and, and save enough money to put my daughter through college and give her a good start on life. We got a three and a half year old little girl, my wife, and she travels with me full time. So other than that, I don't really have any big plans. Everybody wants to know what are you going to buy, are you going to do this or that. <laughs> really, those are the two goals that I have, and just maintain the lifestyle that we have is my main main goal. I mean, bass fish for a living. I already have the greatest job on earth, so. I mean, other than that, that's all I really want to do, just make sure I can keep on doing what I love to do. Well, you know, before this event, was there any uh, doubt in your mind uh, of whether or not I could do this full-time, or was this something you were committed to? And now that commitment obviously has changed a little bit. Yeah, I wasn't really, I didn't really have a lot of doubt. I mean, you never can anticipate winning like the Cup. I mean, there's so many people that have had such storied careers that never have that accomplishment. But I, but I knew just I can be consistent enough to get checks and have a couple of chances to win a tournament here or there. You, know, you just never can anticipate that. So I never really had a lot of doubt, so to speak. But uh, I just kept my head down and, and controlled the variables that I could control each and every day of, of the tournament season. And uh, we'd make an uh, evaluation at the end of each year on, on stuff. But, but I represent a bunch of great sponsors that really helped keep me out there and doing all I love to do. And, uh, you know, without them, it wouldn't be possible. So... But yeah, I, uh, just just. Such I'm dying to know who are your sponsors. Uh, I run a Phoenix bass boat. This is my first year with Phoenix. Tremendous boat. I, I call it the total package. It, it's fast. It rides great. It, it's valuable. It has a pretty cheap price on it compared to other boat brands. Uh, I run a Mercury engine, and really a testament to those two companies. It's not just winning the cup; it, it's making it to the cup as well. And, and we can't afford one bad day on all the competition waters that we're on throughout the year to have one bad thing go wrong it ruins your whole year not being able to make it back or make it to your starting spot so hats off to those companies for uh, building the spirit product there uh, Powell Rod Gamma Fishing Line Power Pole uh, you know those those companies like a chain I have no weak links I feel like I, run, I represent the best companies in uh, the industry so I, I don't have any, any issues with that stuff as well well tell me Brad uh has your wife been getting just a little bit jealous because you've been spending more time with a cup than you have with her? <laughs> no, not yet. She's uh, She's been the, really the rock about this whole deal. She handles all the scheduling and, and tells me what I'm, when I'm coming or going because I, I'd have it all so screwed up by now. Be, I'd have everybody mad at me. Cause, so everybody just kind of deals with her on keeping, uh, keeping me straight on all the interviews and appearances of where we're going and what we're doing and, also, throughout the year, she handles all my business stuff there, so it really allows me to focus on just the fishing part and uh, stay concentrated on that. Well, you know, we uh, at Rod and Reel Radio and all throughout Southern California, we want to congratulate you on, on just uh, reaching the ultimate goal. And it sounds like you're young enough that you're going to be taking a stab at it for the next few years. Well, I really appreciate that. Yeah, at 33, I mean, I'm, I'm going to pay my house off not have to worry about that so yeah i plan on staying out there as long as i can i've uh you know, just living the american dream I mean, what else would you do 
And Brad Knight, I know there are uh, 99 guys, but only one guy makes it when it comes to, you know, being in the sport that you're in. Do you have any uh, uh, last-minute words you want to relate to a lot of the young uh, fishermen that we might have listening tonight and, and uh, you know, to, to follow when it comes to fishing? Well, uh, I read a, I watched a Facebook video on Gerald Swindle the other day that really had a lot of, of really good points about it. Number one, go early and stay late. And, and it's really easy to work hard when everybody knows you're working hard, when it's those three days of practice and, and everybody's there and they want to see you put in early and stay late when you're getting off the water. But really, it's, it's how hard are you willing to work when nobody's looking? How hard are you willing to work on your equipment whenever you come in late in the day? Or how, you know, I ought to change the hooks on that crankbait, but I don't really feel like it. That kind of stuff, just a small thing that really it makes a difference. Just, if I can, anything that I could ever say that would be able to latch on to somebody, just the work ethic and just stay after it. Work as hard as you can and don't get discouraged because you're not seeing the results you have. Just focus on the process and not the results. And sooner or later, you're going to be all right. All right. Well, Mr. Brad Knight, winner of the 2015 Forest Wood Cup. Brad, congratulations to you. You know, I hope we have the opportunity to speak to you a lot more in the uh, the, the next season. And we want to congratulate you. And we also want to thank Becky, your wife, for helping us set up this interview with you. I, I know you're a busy guy. Thanks for taking some of your Sunday night to be with us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. and more than willing to be on any time you're willing to have me on. Good oh. deal. Congratulations again. Great job. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. All right. And that was uh, Brad Knight from Tennessee, winner of the 2015 Forest Wood Cup. You know, uh, the FLW Cup is a big event uh, happening every year, but we have another event happening here in the Southwest, the 33rd edition of the One Bass U.S. Open. It's coming up in September and scheduled to be up with us next. Mr. Billy Egan, he's the director of the One Bass event. Stay tuned. There's more Rod Real Radio to come. Stan, Wendy, and myself will be back right after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASS-BOAT. Call one 800 227 
800-345-7262 or just spell Bass Boat. 1-800-BASS-BOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASS-BOAT, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler aged to earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. It's tuna time, and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet, the 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 at H&M Landing in San Diego. It has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs and satellite phone. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure Venture 2 online at hmlanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. In Southern California, welcome back to Ron Real Radio. We want to thank Brad Knight for being with us, the winner of the 2015 Forest Wood Cup. Brad was uh, with us from Tennessee. There was a three-hour difference. A lot of demands on his time right now, so we appreciate very much him taking the time to be with us. But, you know, we talked about the Forest Wood Cup that just concluded in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We have probably the largest event in Southern California or actually in the Southwest coming up here in just a couple of weeks. It's the 32nd year for the One Bass U.S. Open. And who better to tell us what's happening and some of the, the real obstacles that they've been able to conquer to get this event going this year, but the director of the event, Mr. Billy Egan. Billy, welcome to the show. Hey, John. How are you guys doing? We are doing great. And I guess the first thing that comes to mind, are you going to be able to launch this year at Lake Mead? Yeah. Uh, actually, this is our 33rd anniversary of the U.S. Open out at Lake Mead. The only home for the U.S. Open is Lake Mead. Uh, we've had you know a lot of people earlier in the year with the water conditions uh, concerned whether or not we're going to have the event or not at Lake Mead, and uh, we are definitely. The water's been on the rise, and uh, they've been working on the launch ramps. The Colville launch ramp should be completed before uh, we get there in a couple weeks there, but uh, the water level should actually be at the same level as it was for last year's event by the time the event starts, so... We're not too worried about it. We're going to get the guys out. We've got over 140 uh, anglers signed up already at this point. Got more anglers coming in next week because uh, the deadline for entry is September 4th. So I've got some guys that have mailed in entries, so I'm not counting them until it actually comes in the mail. But I have a great feeling that we're going to have a full field of 150-plus anglers, and it's going to be a great event. Man, it sounds great, Billy. Uh, you know, you said that uh, we've got a deadline coming up to enter. Uh, if people are interested and knowing more as entering as, as a pro, or I don't know if there's any AAA uh, spaces available. How do they get a hold of somebody to, to get into this event? Well, I would suggest they give me a call at my office, which is 949-366-0248. Call me directly. Um, we, uh, we do have some co-anglers on the list, but every year it uh, kind of balances out. Every time we, we have a number of co-anglers waiting, it's typically... 
the case that we always get them in. So if there's a couple guys that are thinking about getting in, give us a call. We'll do a small deposit over the phone, and then uh, if they get paired in, we'll call them for their balances. But we definitely got room for pros and co-anglers to get on the list because uh, the more the merrier. They can uh, also uh, follow us on our Wombass Facebook page or at wombass.com to find out more information. You know, we had uh, Mike Falkstad on the show a couple of weeks ago, and Mike, unfortunately, is going to be missing this event. I think it's only the second one that he's missed. He's got another engagement that he just cannot get out of, but he thinks that the fishing at Lake Mead this year is going to be some of the best that's been seen at Lake Mead in a long time. Yeah, you know, there's been some team tournaments out there where 28 pounds is uh, what it takes to, and some actually over 30 pounds where it takes to win a tournament with uh, five fish. But, you know, every time uh, the U.S. Open comes around in September, um, you know, it takes three days of good fishing, of smart decision-making to make uh, yourself come up to the top of the list there uh, and, and win the U.S. Open. So um, there's a lot of obstacles. Mother Nature always raises their head at least one day of the event, whether it's with a, you know, summer monsoon that comes through, winds, the narrows can get nasty, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what it is. Uh, the U.S. Open is the Iditarod of bass fishing out here. It is. Um, we look forward to it. It's the greatest equalizer. That lake is the greatest equalizer of fishermen that there is. And, and this year, because it's a September event, um, even the lake is coming up a little bit, which will help. <clears throat> and the areas will have, to be, they'll maintain, I think, a little better fish. Uh, a fishery in some of the areas, but I think, you know, seven and a half pounds a day will get you a check, and ten pounds a day will get you a win. You know, yeah, you it's know, a quickly. tough lake, and according to Gary Dobbins, if that was his home lake, he'd move. That's exactly correct. <laughs> <laughs> it is a tough lake, and, uh, you know, Clifford Perch has done really well. Obviously, he's won three of them. Um, he unfortunately at this point is not making this year's tournament because of the qualifying for the top 50 uh, Bassmasters deal, uh, which has made a few people happy that there might be a spot open on the <laughs> top 10. But you know, it uh, it just takes consistency. And you yep. know, with the water coming up, uh, there's some vegetation that's now you know in the water that wasn't earlier in the year. And uh, whether the fish are going to relate to that or not is uh, to be seen. But I know a lot of the guys are going to. They won't be able to not fish those areas to see if they are. You know, Billy, uh, give us an idea of what the schedule is for this event because not only are you know we able to come and view this event in person, even though it is in, uh, at Lake Mead in Las Vegas, but there will also be other opportunities to, to keep uh, track of what's happening. So uh, let us know a little bit about the schedule, would you please? Well, for the fourth year in a row, uh, Costa Sunglasses has been a great sponsor. Obviously, this is a Nitro Mercury-sponsored event, but Costa has been a great sponsor. And this, for the fourth year in a row, they are uh, sponsoring the live broadcast of the event. So for all four days, uh, starting with a partner pairing meeting that starts at 2 o'clock on uh, September 13th, we'll go live via our webcast from the sponsor's row uh, with the festivities and then the partner pairing meeting earlier or later that night at 6 o'clock. And then we're going to have uh, three shows per day. There's going to be a post-game show in the morning after I've launched everybody uh, on the first day with Daniel Sullivan on the water, following some of the anglers, kind of seeing what's happening on the water. We'll be on the live broadcast till about, uh, I believe, 11 o'clock. Then we'll break. I think that's 8 from 11 o'clock in the mornings. 
and then we'll break until the weigh-ins, which are about 2 o'clock to 4.30, uh, doing the live weigh-ins at Colville Bay uh, for all the anglers to come through at the stage, give them an opportunity to talk about the sponsors, talk about how their day went. And then each day after the event, when we're back at the hotel, we'll do a post-game show with the day's leader, talking a little bit about what worked, what uh, they expect. And uh, so for three days, which is the 14th, 15th, 16th, we'll have three shows each day, uh, concluding with the award show Wednesday night on the 16th, somewhere about uh, 6 o'clock or so. But so the morning of the 17th, when I get back in from fishing, I'll find out who won. <laughs> Yep, exactly. <laughs> You're going to be on a long-range trip. I, I don't yep. feel too bad. Otherwise, I thought about being there. <laughs> hey. uh, we look forward to it, and uh, we're happy to have Costa bring it live streaming again for our fourth year. You know, Billy, uh, this has been an event that's gone on for 33 years. There's, uh, uh, Tell us about uh, some of the pros that have already committed to come and fish this event that uh, – the anglers, if they uh, come to the weigh-in uh, uh, or if they uh, view online, that uh, they're going to be able to, to see and know more about. Well, you got a lot of the West Coast uh, pro anglers. Uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, the, the, the local guys, the uh, Southern California boys, uh, the Central Coast guys. Uh, but some of the uh, bigger names that are coming are Luke Kloss, and he's going to be coming from the FLW nice. uh, events uh, from Bridgeford. You've got... Uh, Randy Blockett, Joey Uribe, who's uh, done real well in the FLW Tour. He's got uh, local pros, uh, Chris Bozarth, uh, John Mackey, uh, Gary Yamamoto, those guys that uh, fish Lake Mead on a consistent basis. Uh, San Diego boys that John, I'm sure you know of, uh, you know, Wade Stellick, which is a young guy that's done pretty well in a couple of events. Um, you've got, uh, unfortunately, my folks dad won't be there three time years up winner and parents. You know, he's not going to be able to be there with his end of year situation in the top 50. But you've got 140, 150 guys that are, that are fine for their shot and their chance to win a U.S. Open title. Like Rick Plum said, you know, even the uh, elite guys, they can't call themselves the true champion if they haven't uh, put a U.S. Open championship underneath their belt. You know, Billy, this uh, an event like this can't happen without great sponsors and obviously the support of Western Outdoor News. Uh, what are some of those sponsors that have pitched in to make this an event that it's going to be in 2015? Well, uh, we can't uh, put these events on without our sponsors. You know, our two title sponsors are uh, Nitro Boats, Rick Emmett. We really appreciate him being involved in uh, Gospel Shops, Mercury Motors with Michelle Kilborn. You've got Coaster that I've mentioned. You've got Cigar. You've got your three Livingston Lures. Um, Storm Blues, you've got uh, uh, some new sponsors this year, uh, Industrial Sunscreen, you've got Top uh, Disc Truck Accessories, um, lots and lots of sponsors involved, which will be at the Sponsor Pro, uh, showing and uh, broadcasting the, the products to all the anglers and the people that are going to be watching the live broadcast. And, uh, you know, we really have to thank all the sponsors involved this event and uh, all of our events. Because uh, each year we're going with the U.S. Open and our new uh, California Open at Clear Lake, which will be in March next year. So we couldn't we couldn't do it without them, and we're really uh, pleased to have them all involved. You know, and then not only uh, that, but for all the fishermen, uh, I think for how many years has Mark Nicoletti been out there from Mercury to, to help the fishermen with uh, any problems that, that they might run into on Lake Mead? And usually there's a problem or two. 
Oh, there's always problems, and uh, Mark Nicoletti's Mercury has always been there, uh, making sure that all the uh, metal guys uh, keep their belts on the water. Uh, you know, he's in there parking out every morning, every night, making sure that the guys can continue for the three days, because everybody fishes all three days. It's a shared weight format, pro and pro, and uh, we really thank Mark for being there. He's been here for years. This is now my sixth. U.S. Open and I'll be running, and I know he's been here long before I got here, and uh, you know, he couldn't do it if he put that support like that. Wow. You know, I think one of the biggest uh, things that's going to affect the, a lot of these guys is because the lake has been, it's a new lake, a lot of these guys are going to go out there, um, and as the water fluctuation goes up and down or down, way down, and then comes back up, uh, there's so much structure that's outside that guys don't know about us. They're trying to go inside. you got to go way around and then slow down to go into these things because uh, we've had tons and tons of guys hitting hitting stuff with the lower units on the lake this year. So uh, that's going to be a factor um, in this tournament for sure because of the water level changing so much. It'll be an interesting tournament no matter what. Right. Yeah, you can tell everybody we're real safe uh, during the you know, practice period. And they're out there part of the tournament happening. Make sure that they're following the lines that they've used during practice so that they have a special event and are able to uh, uh, take advantage of, uh, you know, going the lake. Because it is a new lake. The water levels have changed. Uh, it's going to take the guys that's going to, you know, think outside the box. Um, and the fish don't always relate with uh, the water coming up as fast as it does. And they're going to have to look a little deeper some of the, uh, the structural areas that they've been related to prior to the water coming up. There's some great wisdom there, my friend. All right. Billy Egan uh, from uh, uh, the One Bass Director for the 2015 U.S. Open. Billy, again, anybody interested in finding out more about fishing this event? How can they get a hold of you? Call me directly on my uh, phone number at 949 We'll go to wombass.com and also follow us on our Wombass Facebook page. You can also follow me on my Facebook page. It's really easy on my Facebook. Uh, I'll write books everything on my page as well as the Wombass page. But, uh, uh, or they can email me at philee, the letter E, at wonews.com. Really appreciate you guys having me on the show, and I look forward to having another great event this year. Well, Billy, we look forward to seeing you. Uh, Rod Real Radio will be there on Tuesday and Wednesday to cover the event, take some interviews. Uh, hopefully, we'll get an opportunity to get you on to get your, uh, uh, you know, your intake on what's happening. Uh, we want to thank you very much for taking some of your Sunday off to be with us. You got it. I'm sitting here at uh, beautiful Virginia Beach, enjoying the uh, sunset and uh, enjoying talking to you guys at the same time. So, and that's gonna be a little warm out there in Vegas. So I'm taking advantage of. Uh, the West Coast uh, Beach, as we speak. All right. Hey, that's Billy Egan, director uh, of the U.S. Open for One Bass. Well, ladies and gentlemen, gone a little bit over time, but we want to thank you so much for listening tonight. Stan, Wendy, thanks a lot. You guys have a great week, okay? You betcha. All right. Hey, we want to thank JR at our AM540 studios. We want to thank Ben Harvey, our local producer here, for helping us keep things together. And always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McCune. Thank you very much, guys. Go out and get them. They're getting away. Stay safe. We're out for tonight. <laughs>